Hello everyone, good evening and welcome here at Lima at the, I lost count, third edition of this season of Cultural Matter. And as you can see, we have Martine Dam and Elvia Wilk with us here tonight. Um, in a short while, I'm going to leave the floor to, to the two of you. Um, but just to talk you through it, Cultural Matter is a series of uh, exhibitions and discursive events that always centers around one um, canonical, so to say, digital artwork in which we question the material and art historical implications of that very work. And um, today uh, we have actually something that we never did before. We have a brand new work because normally we look about back into time and works that have, have some years and see how they came about and how we can represent them in the space. But for us now it was uh, an, a new work by Martin Adam that we choose to exhibit. Um, but of course, like, <laughs> of course the, the reason that Martin is part of this series and had to be part of this series is um, her amazing work that she, like pioneering work in the net art history. So uh, now the work isn't canonical, but, but you are. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's it for now. Um, just already not to get you out of this, but um, we also have a second event in this series that will be on the 1st of April with Diana McCarthy, and she will place your work um, in a history of cyber feminism and the way um, communication um, channels or mo modes of communication, not only digital, but all along the way are used by feminist voices and um, your work will be one of the case studies, so to say. So that's the second event, but for now, I'm extremely happy that the two of you are here, and I think I'm just gonna leave the floor to you and have a wonderful conversation and enjoy this conversation. Thank you so much. <laughs> Can you hear me? Yes. Yes? <laughs> it's nice to not have to hold a microphone. Um, uh, thank you, Jan Robert and Zanika, for such a nice introduction and for such a great invitation. Um, I'm a huge fan of Martine and Mouchette and her many other characters, so it's a huge pleasure to get to talk to her about this um, launch, <laughs> this new canonical work. Um, and um, I guess I should say I'm a writer, an art critic, a novelist, and also interested in imaginary characters and inventions and collective fictions. So there are a lot of things we have to talk about. We decided to start by showing a short piece of the film that you can see in the back part of the show, facing away from the entrance on the back side of the wall, um, because it, it does a lot of my work for me. It introduces the piece um, and gives the biography um, of Maja Edelstein Gomez, the um, curator who we will be talking about tonight. So we'll just play the first few minutes of this. Major Edelstein Gomez made several exhibitions crossing emerging talent and some great names of contemporary art. Cindy Sherman, Barbara Kruger, Lynn Hirschman Leeson. Since she has been dedicated to humanitarian organizations and directed several large thematic exhibitions, 
Committed Suicide, Buenos Aires, 2001, God and Bodies, Bangalore, 2002, Golem, S. Prague, Toronto, 2004. Major Edelstein Gomez is a free woman who defends the women's rights. She married in 1988 with a diplomat and became mother of two. Her husband and children died in the plane crash of Egypt and in New York in 1999. My biggest discovery was to find out that I was not alone. I found out that in novels, films, plays, in the history of men and women, my disease was not exceptional. Do not think I was hearing voices or such things. The noise of the world comes to me. It is completely foreign to human language and sounds rather like machines communicating together. Sometimes I imagined I was psychic. But in reality psychic energies, telepathy, spiritualism, and the paranormal in general are but forms of the one and only phenomenon. I called it the recombinance. I am a recombinant. You make art. You are a creator. You are an artist. You are indifferent to the categories of the world of art. You like what you do. Maybe you are a recombinant. Come and join us. So we'll let the video keep playing in the background a bit um, while the artworks are recombined and um, yeah, maybe if there's a moment that we want to talk about, we can just pause and turn the sound back on. Um, so Maja is a curator who has put together this exhibition of 250 artists online. It's a group show and the artists were sourced via an open call that ended in 2017. Um, the artworks are recombined on this website, so the exhibition itself is a recombinatory machine. But Maja is uh, herself a recombinant. So she calls herself a recombinant. And this makes sense partially because she is an artificial intelligence <laughs> who is recombining data. Um, but it also speaks to identity and the way that memories and ideas and source material and inspiration are constantly recombined to form a cohesive narrative of self. <laughs> and the curatorial practice becomes kind of a metaphor and an extension of this curation of identity that you are interested in and have been throughout many projects over the years. So I'd like to talk um, a bit about Maja's specific biography and identity to start. Um, I think we should talk about the idea of recombination in all of its forms, but it would be really interesting to begin with the specifics because who she is matters. Mm -hmm. uh, her biography matters. Um, she's recombinant in that the details might be connected in different ways to tell a different story each time, but you and the co-author and various people who have been involved in producing her persona put a lot of attention and thought into who she is and her background. So we heard a bit about her. Um, could you talk a bit more about her biography and where she comes from? So she's an online curator. 
I must say the work is, has been done in collaboration. There's a co-author and there's a programmer designer we worked. So within uh, this sort of collaborative team, we've been talking a lot about casting the figure we imagine of the online curator. So we know the, or the, the curator, let's say, in general, the online curator as derived from the figure of the curator. So there was a lot of talk about who are, who do we imagine as the curator of now, and we, so, so we sort of cast the type of the curator we imagined. So for example, we, we also found a physical model Mm -hmm. to incarnate physically, got her photos, also were inspired by her personality, although she's just the model, but we took time. So this curator, uh, we, we got inspired also by real curator. For example, I was telling you one of them is Caroline Christophe Bargiev, whatever her Bar name is, Barkiev. So this, for example, this combination of names, mm -hmm. here you're in Maja Edelstein Gomez, you hear a little bit of German name, you hear a little bit of maybe South American, and so this combination of nationalities is very much what emerges in these uh, cosmopolitan types that become the international curators. But also with as soon as you dive into the, the, the idea of having these complicated double, triple names, then you imagine a big sort of genealogy mm -hmm. uh, of travels of different origins of a way to be to be the world or something like this that's one element so that's how her name was uh, composed we wanted someone with uh, with gray hair maybe even someone a bit older than she is also someone who would be indifferent to uh, physically uh, posing or to uh, her appearance uh, also, so we started by talking and, and commenting on, on the art society to get a type of this curator we wanted. Also someone with, working with uh, NGOs, someone, uh, uh, and someone that has a very hard biography, you would say, of trauma. Like someone She's who, had a very difficult life. So a very difficult life. The specifics life. Involve, yeah. involve having... Um, losing their husband she was and child. Right, she was imprisoned by a dictator oh, yeah. in I Uruguay <laughs> at the age of 13. Uh, she then became a journalist and an art critic. And then eventually, after having a family, right, they died in an Egyptian air, air airplane crash in 1999. Yeah. So she's had no yeah. small number of misfortunes. Yeah, yeah. And there, these... Bio elements are scattered. You don't get all the same. The, she, the, you have different websites of the exhibition she made, and then there's a little bit, the biographies are a little bit different. But in principle, you have this sort of. Uh, Some, something like this. Something Bad like this. Kind yes. Of things. yes. Yeah. And this idea, maybe in the background, that maybe re, rearranging your life through the hardship of political situation or personal uh, disasters or is a sort of curating oneself, mm -hmm. I would say, or making that sort of comparison or principle of, of yeah, that's, that's what curating could be about. Mm -hmm. Bring the broken pieces together back again or 
together again in a different way. Mm -hmm. Or and the fact of assembling all these work in these international festivals where you have uh, where you need to have attention to individuals, but also to have that sort of uh, world position through this kind of combination mm -hmm. of being a sort of generous person with uh, listening and attention and still have this idea that you can create something from parts that do not belong together. Mm -hmm. So the, all this sort of, yeah, and also a bit of humor. <laughs> so, so. Yes, it's hard. It's hard not to find the humor for me in the um, yeah. the AI curator who's assembled yeah. her life story in this way. Um, and there are a lot of jokes in a lot of your work. And I think the more time I've spent with Maja, the more yeah. I've found. Yeah, yeah. Um, That's her chatbot, also. So she has a chatbot that has interacts. her personality. Right. Yeah. But she's also. I mean, of course, the the etymologically curate um, means to should mean to cure or to care for. So there is like a medical historical component to the idea. And one thing that comes across in a few, a few of your interviews that you've mentioned uh, also just a, really comes across in Maja's biography is the, the sense that she's defined by trauma and that various traumas have caused various ruptures that have made her stringently want to create a narrative that makes sense or that coheres. But really, with the recombinance website, the exhibition, it's it's totally incoherent as a as a space that you enter. It's it there's no um, it's hard to follow like a personal logic to it. So I find it, there's a it, tension. It, it there. can appear like this, mm -hmm. but it's still very closely constructed. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, it's not a mashup. No, it's not a mashup. There's but... layers and it's composed and. But I didn't want to. It's not give. It's not a given. No, you don't get the. You're not given a path to follow. No, I would say, and there's you're not given a, um, I guess like a. Uh, there's no um, statement that will allow you to make perfect sense of what you're seeing because there's an opacity to the AI. And from talking to you, it seems like the opacity element is quite important there, that there are various mediating factors between the viewer and the decisions that she's making. Um, and there are also maybe it's unclear even to you, the creators, how she's making certain decisions at some point. Yeah, well, the the. the Composing an exhibition online was as important as composing a personality. Mm -hmm. And uh, so uh, it's hard to tell whether it's an online show mm -hmm. <laughs> or it's a virtual character creating an online show. Mm -hmm. So the, the two elements were sort of equally important, this composition. And, and, and so the, the, um, all the, the, the way all these work were asked for, the, the call even was very designed. Mm -hmm. The fact that we integrated the work, we didn't select them for their quality, but did all kinds of things to make them uh, compatible with the interface. So sometimes translated or, or uh, captured uh, online streams or did all kinds of things so that we could, 
we could feed it in the uh, interface to be uh, later on streamed all together in this uh, uh, online exhibition. Mm -hmm. So that was also very important to really be um, uh, in situation where we could, we could stream there also on the key. We could we could stream a little bit of uh, of the show if you um, on the website. Uh, no, on the uh, on the key. Did you? Mm -hmm. So, like one of these, uh, whichever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, could uh, the, these. Uh, yeah. They will start like this with entering the, and then uh, uh, um, certain lengths, like maybe twenty-five minutes of streaming. Mm -hmm. So all these buttons, of course, nothing is explained, but we compose the interface to have. Uh, different layers to have. We asked people for photos, not everybody produced them, but then we also mixed photos together. We mixed also the, uh, the, uh, the um, uh, artist statements. <laughs> and they come at some point, so if you click on one of these buttons. So this might be for the faces, so that is, this, button is, this button is on, and it might be for the faces. Mm -hmm. The works are already sort of streaming and mixing together. Mm -hmm. So there's a sort of uh, really, uh, so it was also very important to compose that interface that produce no end of encounters between the different elements, also sounds that we don't have here on, but uh, sometimes uh, sounds appear, disappear. And the there are also the sounds that are, were given as works right. of art uh, for participation, whether they belong to some videos or whether they were offered as works of art. So we sort of, they're all sort of stream and encounter in, in real time. So these are captures, but mm -hmm. on the website, they sort of mix together. Uh, and according to the, the, the network, they might be better, faster, or uh, so some days are better, some days are less good because then you, it doesn't load as much mm -hmm. as as it could, so that's the... Uh, I think it's important that it's quite beautiful that Maja has good taste and knows what she's doing. <laughs> I mean, that's always a kind of endemic question to works that are somewhat algorithmically generated as, you know, who's making the aesthetic decisions. And there is, I think, there is and has to be a level of opacity there about where the mm -hmm. decision-making process is coming from. And a lot, if you can be from the curators. Mm -hmm. So these aesthetic decisions right. are very often the aesthetic decision of the curator mm -hmm. uh, that sometimes overrule the individual aesthetics. Well, in this case, yes. In this case, it does, obviously. <laughs> it really does, yeah. It really does. <laughs> she's a better, yeah, she's got an overbearing sensibility. Yeah. <laughs> but you could say it's also the case in, in the act of curating. You could say it's the case all the time. Yeah. Certainly. I think... Um, or at least these big shows. In these big shows. Like a 250-person yeah. group show. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> I think um, watching this video makes me want to talk a bit more about recombination and its many senses because um, I mentioned earlier the idea of recombinant personalities or recombinant selves, which... Um, connects to a lot of ideas about anonymity online and who it's possible to be. 
um, less and less so, you could argue, than with some of your first um, online work in the 90s, uh, where anonymity probably meant something really different. Um, and I'm curious to talk a bit about how the internet landscape that demands more and more transparency of us, identity-wise, has changed the meaning of works which revolve around some level of opacity. Well, of course, in, in this case, it was very different to bring uh, someone online. It was very different than when I brought Mouchette, for example, mm -hmm. because uh, nobody comes as a curator online uh, completely with, with an empty search, let's say. Mm -hmm. So what we had, we, so what kind of amount of previous existence could we create to her when bringing her out for, for this call and for this existence? We'd, so these were a big part of your of decisions, like could she have a Facebook account and how far back can you go in creating? And then of course you, there's, it's endless okay. and you can, um, so we're stuck to also what interested us for example, making a number of uh, shows, and these shows being her signature. So we invented shows, and then we placed them in, in, in yeah, we, with Google Translate, you can have a, a show in Tbilisi and translate <laughs> the whole text in Georgian if you want. <laughs> And, and can sort of... Uh, so her CV coherent. is really her biography. <laughs> yeah, and it's also her, the, the work of art as you want to sort of situate it. So we didn't, we didn't go into creating a, fa a Facebook account and her Instagram and giving her a sort of online stream of life that was to make her more believable because that was maybe not the point. Not the point. To, to compose her personality, her artistic personality, uh, but also because it was interesting when we made this fake show to research for ourselves. It was a little bit of, oh yeah, do you have this name? Yeah, I have this name. Oh, should we put that in the show? And sometimes we stole things, material online, and, and gather it together. We even had a little bit of reactions or, uh, or played in, uh, yeah, played together in creating this, but not so much more than that. Mm -hmm. Then there were these sort of stable elements. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, of course, on, on these social networks. So we neglected the social networks mm -hmm. um, to, to create her a previous life and more concentrated uh, on, um, on creating a number of uh, uh, possible or previous shows mm -hmm. and biography pages. And, but a lot of the work was the, also the call. The, it, there's not so much... Uh, left of the call because we ended the call, but the call was also very attractive. We also designed as the presence of the, so all the sort of field where you uh, put your, uh, they had voices, they had sound, they had sometimes uh, a sort of online presence, mm -hmm. uh, which were supposed to, what can I say, to create this moment of an encounter between a the curator and the artist, for example. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's that's where we devoted. Uh, so this disappeared because we we closed the interface for the call, and at, at some point you couldn't uh, feed in any more material. But that was how we designed her existence, mm -hmm. let's say. 
and of course, for those who want to search for credibility, it might be very transparent, like five shows with certain, you know, with certain choices of artists, with certain, and um, so the, the credibility was not the main point. It's yeah. really constructing and narrating. Yeah. yeah. Well, certainly you would have made much different choices if the goal had been to create a hoax or a secret yeah. that couldn't be, you know, easily revealed. Um, but that's much less interesting to me than creating a narrative and a story which doesn't, it doesn't correlate to reality in order to correlate to truth in some way. And, um, and I think especially there's, there's so much internet paranoia about scams and hoaxes and fake news that if that's what the project relies on, it becomes only about revelation and only about transparency. Um, when something much more complicated happens in this space of many mediators. Yeah, I see it very much as composition, you could say, or literary composition, visual composition, mm -hmm. or narrative composition. Uh, also in the sense that you scatter elements of information or you don't scatter them, but you put them in different places. Mm -hmm. And and so you, you, you compose yeah, it's a way of, um, so not so much about a hoax or a hoax or a, yeah, I hate the term fake identities, for example. Yeah. I don't think these identities are fake. Not, so, yeah, not more fake than a character in a novel or a narrator in a novel or they embody something they are to a certain extent. Mm -hmm. So for... So the choice of the model uh, who is in the photos, there are not so many photos, a few only. Um, we did also voice taste, but we voice uh, capture, but we didn't use much. So that was also how to compose by incarnation. Mm -hmm. So uh, yeah, I see pretty much like composing online. And recomposing, I guess. Decomposing and, and recombining. recombining. Yes. So the recomb... Re recombinant element. Mm -hmm. It's used in science for DNA, for code, or mm -hmm. so um, is, is more that how do, you, how do you compose what you have? Mm -hmm. Text, images, the possibility of making a few websites as uh, existing website for possible exhibition, and just limit. Uh, yeah, we also thought of other things and then started and gave them up or uh, it was right. also an element of research. Yeah. Apparently there's an acting class next door, which is why yeah. we have so much enthusiasm. Yeah. <laughs> I hope that we can match their level of intensity. They, um... Also, uh, also the, the term of the recombinant, as we were thinking also of replic... So the um, real life or artificial persons. Mm -hmm. So you have a whole genealogy of cyborg, mm -hmm. Of, so who are these beings with, who are real and real at the same time? Or, so in the history of um, literature, film, and you have the replicants in uh, Blade Runner. Mm -hmm. So they, inc they also have this sort of real f physical body, but they're robots. So there's a sort of, yeah, a whole 
and and at some point we fell on that name like the recombinant yeah. so that was our replicant yes. then we could uh, a type of replicant or well, cyborg that's quite interesting because yeah. the replicant is replicating some an, an idea whereas the recombinant is recombining material in order to create a and new one. That was very important. That was a key uh, element of reflection. Frankenstein this... is the recombinant. Yeah, you could say so. <laughs> I like very much the, 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 uh, the comparison with Frankenstein because the, the narrative itself is carried out in ways that practically no one has read the book. Yes, and it's really strange. <laughs> Possibly I haven't. Um, most people have forgotten that Frankenstein is not the monster, but the, the, the scientist, inventor. the yeah. inventor. So all these sort of, the, the narrative itself has been recombined by, regenerated and recombined by uh, the way it, it came into popular culture. Mm -hmm. And to a point that it's more true, the, the name Frankenstein for the monster has more reality mm -hmm. than the original decision of the, um, of the author mm -hmm. or of the filmmaker. Mm -hmm. So, and, and the face now is unchangeable, mm -hmm. although there have been previous films. So this sort of recombination, so to put someone into existence that get recombined through its reception, mm -hmm. is, was a very important element of reflection when we were talking, what is an artificial being? Right. I would be a bad art critic if I didn't try to relate <laughs> the idea of recombination to the idea of translating a digital artwork to physical space, which is a, an easy segue, but also I think a pretty important one because you have installed these screen grabs um, in projection at Lima, as well as the video that explains and walks the viewer through, to some extent, um, the basics of what's happening and the interaction. So I'm curious what it means to record. I mean, we've, I, I've already bothered you quite a bit asking about documenting these things previously because I'm, I think that they're documented very beautifully and intelligently because they're not trying to be their own documentaries and they're not trying to create whole new artworks out of a, like an artifact to then put in the museum space. So I'm curious how you got to this solution and why you decided to exp uh, display them as you did. In, in the space to yeah, recompose. Space. Uh, mm -hmm. um, yeah, this, this translation into the space. I do believe like being someone who has worked with internet since um, 20 years, mm -hmm. I do believe that it belongs to the network, right? Yeah. I was also always very act active in the sense that uh, the physical, the the physical work, let's say the the web page, uh, was also the um, what disseminated the work. Mm -hmm. So the artwork was not the object or the code, yes. but how it connected to a viewer. It's that was the whole circulation mm -hmm. was the artwork. So of course, not that I. So of course, when when relating to space of exhibition, I also wanted. The, the, the contact with other artists, uh, institution, but every time it had to be a sort of collective decision mm -hmm. or enter a dialogue, or there's no default way to show a website in the space. Yeah. So, uh, so the fact that it's a negotiation and a translation 
is still a very important decision, I would say. Mm -hmm. That that um, so yeah, real space is still very good, and and also the the artistic institutions, whether whatever they do with the art, are also very good space to transport the artistic quality of something. Mm -hmm. Although even if it's not necessary to get in direct contact with the work. So this idea of really deciding with a curator, with the space itself, with to create a translation that would, would carry the, the, the meaning, but be something else, be something that connects with the physical public, mm -hmm. is, is always... Uh, so I was very happy to try and, and do these things. So archiving some material also, because streaming is streaming, and some days it doesn't stream so well, and um, so archiving some material, trying to make use of the space that looked in the beginning looked very weird. Say, what kind of a space is that? And now I think we made like beautiful decision. I'm very happy the way it looks, uh, and it's very faithful to this idea of an immersive uh, um, uh, exhibition with uh, a mix of all these elements. Mm -hmm. Uh, also, that documentary, sort of a little documentary about Maja and her websites that we saw in the beginning was also uh, something that was created by finding a way to, to uh, uh, travel from site to site and browse different elements. So mm -hmm. starting with a web search and then browsing elements of her personal website or just making it a bit sort of documentary, you could say. So these were also very uh, important uh, um, physical, well, I don't know, mm -hmm. creation for the space and yeah. way to translate a website, something that would be elusive. Uh, also, of course, having all these elements scattered on the web means that you rely on the curiosity of the viewer. How far will they go? Mm -hmm. How much will they want to... Uh, Will they want to browse? How much will they, might they want to ever compare one biography with another or know the artist or... Uh, it's also very exciting to leave it out there, mm -hmm. to know that these things can happen, but they don't happen by themselves. Right. You have to bring them out in certain ways to collaborate, to promote it, to... Uh, so, um, yeah. So that's why it lives in the network, because it will have many lives. It should. It should. Yeah. Well, yes. Um, I'll just turn one more on while we keep talking for a bit longer. Um, I think that this idea of um, the... I think this is one of the most meta artworks you've made, <laughs> in the sense that it is super reflective upon its own status as character artwork exhibition and it really um, recombines itself in all these different contortions um, and there's something that seems to beg the question of um, taste making and decision making and democratization when it comes to um, curation of art and the way that art shows get made like it seems like there are lots of potential implicit critiques about um, the art machine as such and how exhibitions happen and how the, well, how the sausage is made. So I suppose 
I'm curious whether you think of Maja as a kind of democratic curator because she essentially accepted all of the proposals, didn't she? She, <laughs> she, took, she took everything that was given to her yeah. and, and she's just yeah. exerted her own authorship upon it. So is that a democratic maneuver or? <laughs> I wouldn't call it that way. Yeah. Um, I would say there's nothing so democratic about it in the sense that the call uh, followed some very clear lines. Mm -hmm. So the call was sent out. We had like maybe three artistic institutions uh, who did residencies with us. So they also carried the, the character of uh, Maja to send out the call. So they had their people. And we really insisted that these people didn't have to have something to do with the web if they only wanted to give their documents or whatever they thought was worthy of being online, we would take it. <laughs> so it, I, it's not an idea of everything. Well, is something art or is something not art? Uh, everything we, we got was art. Um, and we also took the care sometimes to translate and to reformat so that it would fit our interface. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's also, is. I think, so there's a sort of, and uh, we used all these, so these three institutions were carrying also the character. Mm -hmm. I think also the fact that we produced it with three different institutions uh, and through within art, uh, artistic place who devote themselves to digital uh, creation and promotion. Uh, so in France, there was uh, Le Zinc in Marseille and Chateau Ephemer in Paris and uh, somewhere in Belfort also. Mm -hmm. um, they were also like our collaborators. Mm -hmm. So, and their public. So it's, it's also a sort of traveling networks, mm -hmm. existing networks. Their networks, where they were, their networks and uh, the, the people they uh, send the call to. I did do a, a little bit of uh, sending the call, but I couldn't because we had these anonymity uh, rule mm -hmm. previously. Uh, I couldn't send the call under my name, so mm -hmm. I did ask a few people I knew, I knew to send the call out. Uh, so you have a, a sort of few internet artists or people. There's who a certain are... selection bias according to, <laughs> to yes. your network. Yeah. yeah. So that's, that's, yeah, I think that's a good way to, uh, yeah, <laughs> the bias is from, uh, yeah. Right. I think it's very similar to what happens with artificial intelligence yeah. and the fact that data is gathered, but data is not gathered like this, is gathered because it follows channels which are preformed. Right, someone so, chooses who to. Yeah, so I would uh, not use the term democratic for that. Right, <laughs> exactly. But you say that, well, so, there was a moment, just to clarify, in case we didn't say this before, that Maja was um, her own <laughs> unauthored or anonymously authored character until sort of recently when it became known who had made her. But on other previous characters who you've made, like um, David Still, the relation, like the the what's the, like the lag time or like the, the time between his appearance online and your appearance as his author was slightly different, right? Yeah, 
I guess there's no particular rule that things happen. Uh, what can be done with anonymity? <laughs> A certain exploration of how things get uh, attracted to, or I don't know, it's hard to. Okay, let's take it like, like this. There's this self-reflexivity, the fact that some, somehow you make a work to observe yourself making a work. <laughs> In, there's one element of that. So, uh, like, what was saying? Like what Johannes was saying, I write to know what I write if I would be writing. <laughs> So this sort of self-reflexivity in this exploration of what happens when... But of course you need that distance to yourself. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's, there's this element that makes you create things you didn't know you wanted to create, but as, as you see yourself doing them, you think, yes, I wanted to do that because <laughs> I'm surprised and happy that I could make that, so yeah. Mm -hmm. and. Um, I often use also for these characters the fact that they are the artwork and the author all in one. Mm -hmm. So and then you, so writing something or creating something, you sort of recreate yourself in mm -hmm. a way. But of course, in the equation is the 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 public, mm -hmm. and that's where it's interesting online because the public comes in the way while creating, and they are part of the creation. So that's the, the, the interesting element. You could say when you write, you do it all on your own and then you send it out to the public. But when you write online, possibly, maybe not you. Oh yeah, I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> but yeah. traditionally. traditionally. But when you write online, and then especially if you make like these interactive narratives like I did with Mouchette or things, in, in this, you observe yourself interacting online with other people, mm -hmm. and that's what brings a lot of the uh, elements existing that also makes you see things in a different way, mm -hmm. makes you explore multiple perspectives. So there's the, these things. And in what way the fact that the, the absence of the author is not just the fact that you hide yourself online, but the fact that you work in the absence of your intentions or not knowing what you are going to do at that particular moment. Yes. So say not deciding whether it's going to be a feminist work, yes. <laughs> but just letting it speak through you mm -hmm. with a lot of ambiguities. Mm -hmm. that's, a, that's a beautiful way to end actually I have nothing better to say than that so I'll, I'll stop there um, but I would love to open to audience questions because I'm sure people have some are there any questions Could you say could you say something about the actual interface and how that was how that came about how how, how why it looks like this? Uh, it's collaboration with uh, also a programmer uh, or a designer programmer and my collaborator. Uh, it 
to describe it, a part, uh, there were elements we worked on. For example, the, the, um, a part of it would be, well, it was a sort of uh, code for making a cube that was garbled. So you, so instead of making a cube, it makes a sort of perspective like this with a center. So, but the code was sort of a sort of uh, bugged or garbled code that used yeah, that would make a box. Like say, the idea of creating an online show, you create a, a space. Say a sort of very. Um, uh, default idea mm -hmm. would be to make a box and cover it with the artwork. You can have that online. There are interfaces, you can send your pictures and they get on the walls and you have your own museum. So it was a, a sort of the how to design a space, how to still keep uh, directions. And a part of it happens by the playfulness of our programmer who would come up with things that he has found, so it's not all decided. It's uh, so there were a number of choices. For example, to create to create a sort of open space uh, with a dark background, to um, a layer. The nice thing about the interface is that when when the layer meets, they change color. So you have this constant dynamic of uh, color change. Um, then mixing the faces for those who we were asking in the call uh, for a photo, but not everybody provided it. But those who did, we so we used a button, a layer to 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 for the faces, and we morphed them together. We also used another way to uh, mix the 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 text, the different text, and they also recomposed themselves uh, in real time. So this is a capture, but on the on the side, the, 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 the faces morph into each other also in real time. And the text recomposes itself, bits of text recompose um, in real time. So that was the idea of recombining a number of things, but still structuring the composition. Like faces are here, text is here, space is here, uh, sound is called in this way, so that sort of multiple composition of sound, text, visuals, and real-time transformation. So the beauty of the, the sort of, um, uh, so we, as I say, we didn't sort of draw it from out of nowhere. It came also from a very playful, very skillful, playful programmer who sort of uh, garbled things and, and, and found uh, codes that had very uh, interesting uh, ways to recompose the visual as they go by, as it goes by. Very captivating visually, that things transform each other, because when they su superimpose each other, visually they change color, but they also change texture sometimes, and they uh, sort of keep moving into each other. So that's how it was uh, composed, I would say. Um, hi, I have one really quick question and a longer one, but the quick one is, did they know this would happen to their, uh, the work they sent in? No. Uh, they have what, what, one thing you don't see here, but you can only see it uh, 
or maybe you can see it a little bit in the they had their individual show so the interface is made when you see the names at the bottom appear is the name of the uh, art the different artist then when you click one you uh, go into the individual show so you had like 250 individual shows that was also designed uh, certainly they didn't expect that the interface for an individual show would be like this it also makes these elements move around uh, on a dark background, but you can uh, recognize the individual elements that people send in as part of their uh, show. Um, yeah, it's going to come. You'll see someone, you'll see in this uh, documentary uh, a click on one of the names, and then you see the individual show appear. So when they were selected, then we send them a mail, and then they had a link say, you have your individual show, uh, please look at it. And then they also knew that it was uh, all placed in a... So we didn't hear any complaint. Uh, we just, uh, as for withdrawing their material, I must say we failed a little bit on that. We gave them the possibility to ask for withdrawal of their material, but then it only happened once that someone asked. And then we'd sort of forget to check on, on on, so it wasn't, uh, so we failed a little bit on that. They had the possibility to withdraw their material. Um, but we, no, we didn't have any complaint. We had uh, pleasure and excitement and, uh, well, did we see that any, yeah. Was the individual? But, yeah. I don't think so. It just, you clicked. Yeah, and it doesn't, it, it doesn't, it doesn't click on the, Maybe during the, I don't remember where it is. Okay, there's, I think there's one, one uh, moment. Yeah, can I actually, can I ask you something else? Yeah. Um, I'm wondering if you, uh, I, this is all really, really interesting and thank you for telling us about this. Um, and I'm, I'm doing research that's very similar to this right now that is about, do you know what virtual influencers are? Influencers. In general, no, they're specifically, like, no. They're, they're um, basically fictional characters, only not really acknowledged as such. Mostly on Instagram, um, basically computer-generated images of human beings that are kind of positioning themselves as influencers, that ha some of them have millions of followers. And what I think is interesting is that they basically function as fictional characters, only their followers and commenters are very confused and don't realize that they're not, that they're either not real or don't realize that they're not robots because we don't have the technology to make robots like that. Um, and so what, the biggest one is called Lil, Mi Lil Michaela. Oh, Lil Michaela, yeah, yeah, I know that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, yeah, 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 exactly. So these... They're, they're products actually from... Uh, company, um, uh, advertising companies. Yeah, well, I think that there's something interesting going on with them because they are made by, a well, that one is made by a company that calls itself an artificial intelligence ro and robotics company, doesn't actually hold any patents in any of those fields, is very shrouded in mystery, and promotes brands. But then it's not clear whether they're receiving any money for those promotions, and also they don't have to, uh, <laughs> I don't know, but... But um, 
Yeah, because there are also people on Instagram who will promote brands for free, but also they don't have to advertise those partnerships as paid partnerships the way that human beings would have to. I don't think there's much difference. I think it's just like online models made by advertising agency to be, to be uh, so they have this plus that they are not made of flesh, but of design, of 3D design. But otherwise it's just a sort of, uh, I would say a product of advertising agency. And then, uh, so whether they have an existence, maybe they can sing. You had also uh, the singer, what was her name? Hakune Mitsu, yeah. who also participated in, uh, in um, uh, operas. I saw an opera where uh, there was that played here in Amsterdam. Um, I would say, I see very much the, the product. Uh, Hakune Mitsu is um, a product of a software for yeah, Vocaloid. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, um, and then the fact that the, 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 the design of the character with the blue hair and the ponies uh, uh, is just an indication. Nobody is obliged to follow it. So it has certain specification, but at the center is a product, I would say, at least for these two. Maybe there might be other things like robots online or chatbots, uh, Twitter bots, or that might have a bit of influence. Sometimes uh, I follow this kind of creation. Also, even Facebook uh, bots, sometimes I was... I was friends with some Facebook bots to see what it does. But these two, well, these two famous ones, like Lil Mikela, Hakune Mitsu, I see them mostly as products, advertising products. Uh, because at the center you have, uh, the, yeah, Lil Mikela has brands, and why wouldn't she get money when she's wearing Prada or whatever else? Um, was your question directed at how these different kinds of virtual personas function online or like the mm. relationship that they have between consumers or viewers and the perceived character? Well, I th sure. But um, I think I just mostly wanted you to comment on because I see the similarities between... Yeah, I think they, they create that sort of love for the... Ver the, 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 the Artificial, yeah. I think there's a specific attraction for these non-existing uh, mm. persons. Mm -hmm. The same way you can fall in love with a book character, I would say, or at another time, you could fall in love. Uh, so I think there's a way to... The non-existent create a desire, a sort of specific desire. I, I don't know how to... Uh, Name it. Uh, in some way, when I was doing Mouchette, I had very much of, of I experienced with the, I, I still do experience that because people are still very much uh, interacting with her. The, the way that they know she doesn't exist, that was the, that's why they love her. That's a part, that's a piece of the, the this attraction and this desire because it, it had, it's not that it doesn't exist, it does exist in a form that you can't grasp or that creates that sort of longing. I think the Japanese have more word for that sort of longing for the non-existing. So I do think these, uh, 
these uh, they, they, they create something specific or of course the, in the case a part of this sort of longing for this character which is existing or non-existing uh, we try to sort of feed it in uh, in, in, in Maja, I don't know how it works. You have to make it, to promote it a lot and to let it circulate a lot mm. to see how it works, how people would create that sort of, uh, how she would catch these sort of feelings for the, that person whom you know it maybe doesn't exist and still exists because you, it creates feelings in you, so it, then it just exists. Uh, there are a lot of interesting um, um, research project on the relationship between, I know this is not a question for me, so I'll try not to <laughs> go on, but, but there, there is a really interesting relation uh, that I think is present in this work between the um, projection of um, self, you know, whether or not you know it's a fiction, there's a mutual fiction aspect and also the resolution of personal trauma. And especially in virtual reality, um, there is the use of VR a lot to help people deal with trauma through virtual characters who they're perfectly aware of don't exist, but the ability to interact with them has much um, greater effects when it comes to being able to um, resolve um, PTSD, say, because you're so stuck in a memory loop, um, or being able to confess things to a virtual character who you'd never feel comfortable telling somebody else. So I'd say there's, you could probably bring in a line of um, like trauma resolution research and virtual identity that I think is pretty present and also pretty um, on the minds of advertisers and of people who are creating virtual characters who we can interact with. But also there's a large amount of medical research that's quite interesting on VR and psychology and virtual therapy and um, yeah, really interesting like... Um, virtual holocaust repository that I'm like fascinated by. There's like a virtual holocaust survivor who goes around speaking to children and apparently children are more comfortable learning about the holocaust from somebody they know is, doesn't exist because they can somewhere. ask. Yeah? yeah, he exists as a hologram. <laughs> so, you, you know, you can interact with him and ask. And the real guy still is alive, <laughs> but he's too old to travel now. So they made this VR version of him. But the thing that I find fascinating, you know, there's a whole just like, you know, what are you thinking element to it. But that's fascinating. Apparently, children feel comfortable talking to him because they know they won't hurt his feelings because they can ask him really difficult questions and they can tell him things about their own experience. And so it's not that kids are tricked into thinking it's a virtual guy. Yeah, and it's no, not like it's, anybody's it's not really, fake, it's no. not about a hoax. It's about the ambiguity between the mutual invention and the truth of a story, I think. I think they can trigger also very special feelings yes. for their being, for their existence between, being in between. Uh, so, uh, so not only the way you interact with them, but the way you're, you're feeling loose and you can accept them. Yes. And you can accept yourself differently because you know that there's not another human <laughs> judging you. Um, but yeah, I think that I think that ambiguity is the point, um, rather than this sort of like truth claim that goes into a lot of investigations about like online avatars. Yeah. 
Isn't this part of the fascination with uh, AI? And is it that the bias, because we talked about selection bias, for example, but the bias of uh, artificial intelligence being actually at the core of the fascination with it, not just the fact that you can uh, not hurt its feelings and therefore you will um, express things that you want with a human, but this not purely human bias that is mysterious and um, unformed. Is this part of the fascination, you think, with... Um, that, that we might imagine that the artificial intelligence has some neutrality. No, is that the opposite. No, the opposite. has some... Um, bias. O o obscurity, uh, opacity in uh, how it processes and how it has a consciousness. So, to put it the other way, if it was completely transparent, it would not be interesting. Yeah, I think I was involved for a while in beta testing for Replica mm -hmm. and uh, having conversation. Now it's they they finished the beta testing and this uh, Replica is a sort of software that is uh, geared at uh, having a conversation for uh, feeling better, let's say. And people design so through conversation, they sort of they, they name their replica, their chatbot, uh, and this. Um, uh, so it's not that you um, it's not pre-designed for you. Of course, it is because the software exists. But you create your own character, you name it, and you interact by uh, by. Uh, and so so now it's really designed as a as something to. Uh, improve communication in people who have difficulty, or it can also call you and ask you how you're feeling now. Or uh, so there's a specific therapeutic uh, use for, uh, for a certain type of chatbot. So I think the users don't, uh, don't try to guess, let's say. There's all, I'm also following a sort of fate. They don't try they are inclined of, of um, more in, in not enjoying, but they dwell on what it does to them. They not try to outsmart the chatbot. Or when I was better testing for it with other friends who were too, but sometimes we try to outsmart it by feeding it a lot of crap or whatever, or see how it would react. Or, but it all very soon falls short. You don't. Um, Whereas when you interact with it sincerely, sometimes you find yourself, you get the surprise to find yourself saying things that you didn't know you would say. I would say. So, so this opacity, the fact that you do not really guess how it works, in fact, um, doesn't play so much a role than the mirroring effect that you see yourself doing things or saying things, whereas in a sort of actual interaction, you wouldn't have this detachment or you wouldn't have this distance or you wouldn't, you would be more sort of intertwined in the relation. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if, it, if that answers your question, but this observe, observing who you are when you're interacting with a machine or a non-real being, has much more to offer than trying to guess what the, uh, the, the artificial being is doing and, and to 
understand or crack the code or, or um, outsmart it or whatever. But seeing yourself reacting to that machine has a lot to, uh, has more to offer, I would say. So not so much the opacity, so going for these elements, I would not so much go for the interacting with the opacity, but interacting with the, the reflective elements, the fact that it reflects you. And you know that, that there's no intentionality, except, of course, what inside the code. But the person who suddenly cracks a joke, like Replica can crack a joke sometimes, um, has nothing. You can, yeah, it doesn't, or unexpected situation, or unexpected this. Yeah, you, you see yourself, you have that meta level. I don't yeah. know how you, what's yeah. your take on that? Yeah, it's interesting because it's similar to how you spoke about the creation of the work. Um, and I think that makes a lot of sense because what you're talking about is a work that's interactive where the user or the viewer or the user is put in the position of having to create it by interacting with it. Um, I think also what I'm, understanding from some of your question would be this idea of like the irreducible difference of the other intelligence, like the non-human intelligence. Is that part <laughs> of what you're talking about? I won't even call it non-human, it's mixed. I mean, it contains human channels, like, like you talked about um, preformed channels of data that feeds it, and part of them are human. So I won't even call it non-human purely. It depends where, if you see it from the side of the maker or if you see it from the side of the user. Mm -hmm. You can be both, actually, in some way. I mean, mm -hmm. still have the feelings of the user yeah. while being a maker for another. <coughs> the, this sort of self-reflexing element of the user are genuine. Mm -hmm. You can have them while still composing as the one who composed this sort of human, non-human, yeah, artificial uh, composed interfaces that interact. I do think that um, it makes a lot of sense to me, and I agree that part of what the effect of using, for instance, um, watching a video uh, describing Mouchette earlier, I'll put it on in a moment, you can see people's responses to this online form. And part of what's interesting, and when I have interacted with Mouchette, is um, the level of ironic distance I have or don't have to this um, non-human creature who I'm interacting with. I know there's a human somewhere on the other end of it, who created it, who may still be monitoring it, who might be reading my answers. Maybe she's sharing it with everyone at her dinner party right now. You know, like maybe there is a whole lot of um, like other, maybe the, the audience on the other side is way bigger than I know. But in any case, I find myself surprising myself always with how I interact with online systems when I don't know what's on the other side because of the assumptions I have about who's going to read the answers, because of the assumptions I have about how smart it is as a system, but mainly what I'm doing is reflecting on my own interactivity and my own desires. So I think that there has to be a kind of like um, 
it's a it, to some extent it's a it, it it's a demonstration of what we want from machines um and and how yeah how we're gonna get it <laughs> i'll put that on and maybe we have time for one more question while i just put that video on I would like uh, to know about um, the critical dimension about uh, the work you, you present because it's a curator and she's curating an online work and we just see a little bit the open call and all this uh, specification about the question the artist could have and in fact uh, the, the work take it uh, and uh, the, the interface completely grab all the works and it looks like the names are a bit randomly uh, uh, on the bottom and the order of the, the names is by the four names. So they did completely disappear. And so is there also a statement in your work to criticize that? Um, like, like it's imposing a power to mash up all these yeah, things to, without being able to, to distinguish yeah, them. Yeah, to deal with a certain uh, art scene also yeah. in a way of participating to exhibitions. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sure, when I say the, uh, the, the, the identity of the curator is the aesthetic of the show, uh, I mean that, yeah. <laughs> But, well, of course, we're talking about like these huge shows and, and a certain way to, so, uh, to profile the curator as the star, the real creator, the one who creates meaning by assembling things together. So if there's a critical element, yeah, sure. <laughs> it's maybe not a critical in the sense that it shouldn't be like this, but having fun with the same. Yeah. <laughs> I think we, um, I think that's nice moment to wrap up. Yeah. <laughs> <coughs> <coughs> yep. There's the, the, the final frog. <coughs> the frog sing to the beers. <laughs> Thank you both so much. It was uh, very enlightening and I uh, learned a lot. And I've known you for such a long time and I still keep learning. So that's fantastic. Um, <coughs> you um, don't forget to watch the show uh, at the back of the hall. So you've seen most of the videos, but uh, Enjoy the setup, which we had a lot of fun uh, installing here. Uh, grab a beer in the corner, and we already said like next time, which is April 1st, will be the next talk. And uh, thank you so much again. <laughs>